Hello everyone and welcome to the Arsenal Way and yes we are back to your daily Arsenal agenda show, your daily show from 10am and yes we're back at 10am and we're back to normal procedures at our homes coming from camera to camera and I'm with Guy Clark today. Guy, how are you? Yeah, not bad. I mean, between between you down in the capital, me and Preston, and be some uh, some long travelling had to be done for you to, to to meet in person. But no, good to see you guys in the office uh, yourself, TC and, and Kaya yesterday. But uh, yeah, as you say, we're back from our uh, our respective homes today. Yeah, back indeed. It does feel good. Does feel back to back to usual procedures. But in the office was cool too. But right? let's just get to the Arsenal topics and what you guys really don't want to hear. You don't want to hear about us where we where we're talking about Arsenal. Let's talk about the club itself. And guy, our our results recently haven't been great. I think the Wigan against Brighton, our midfield are quite weak, and we do need to explore the options. Samuel Lukonga, of course, played there, but he struggled with Smith Rowe and Odegaard alongside him. Would you consider bringing back El Nini into the team now? We've signed him to be a rotational player. He comes in, you know what he does, he plays safe, he's solid, he's experienced. Would you consider it? I'm not sure I would, you know. Um, he's been here, what, over six years now. He's never, never really been a, a, a first name on the team sheet. Um, when he first came in, I think there was a lot of hope that he would, he would, albeit came in for a comparatively low transfer fee, would be able to kick on and be quite a decent player for us, I think, quite quickly, to be fair. Um, it, it was realised that that probably wasn't going to be the case. And as you say, he's kind of always been on the periphery. Um, since basically Unai, Unai Emery's time, he kind of seemed to have gone completely off the radar. Then he seemed to have a bit of a resurgence and gone again. I think this year, the start at Old Trafford's the only Premier League start he's had this season. He's not featured since the defeat to City on uh, New Year's Day at the Emirates. I mean, desperate times call for desperate measures, I suppose. And, and that's where we are. I mean, it's such a shame that prior to the international break, we were all getting so excited as to what this season could have in store and hoping that the race for the top four would go right down to kind of the final weeks of the season. And hey, it, it might be, I might just be in a, in a pessimistic mood right now, but I think the injuries to the side that we, we've suffered, um, namely Partey and, and Tierney and, and Tommy Asu still nowhere to be seen. When we're, we're dealing with a squad that was basically 14, 15 men strong, we're all of a sudden in a very compromised position, especially when one of those big injuries is to the to the middle of the park. For me, in midfield, do we do we try Xhaka at the base and put put Smith Rowe in as an eight? That to me might be more of an option. Um, I, I, I tell you what you say with Sambi Lakonga when you when you kind of think of that midfield that played against Brighton. He's very young. Partey was clearly alongside Jack of the experience and the leader within that midfield engine room and allowed Erdegaard to kind of go and play his game and that helped the rest of the team. Um, Elneny, yes, is experienced, but for me, I don't know if he's quite got the quality needed for what we want. But as I say, we're, we're down to the bare bones, aren't we? Yeah, of course. I, I always say this, if Elneny could uh, bring his Egypt form to Arsenal, because for Egypt, he's a leader. He's him and Mo Salah and he, he's carried the team to a World Cup. He's carried them to a World Cup win. He's carried them to African Cup of Nations, the final, of course, and the, and the qualifiers. It's just a same, shame he couldn't bring that over to, to Arsenal. So I think he would be needed right now. If he had an extra midfielder, then would be would be able to cover for party much more easier. But, of course, that isn't the case. And just moving over to the transfers, guy. Now, Darwin Nunes, David Orsley from the Athletic has said that Darwin Nunes is linked to three clubs, Chelsea, Manchester United and PSG. No mention of Arsenal. What do you think of it? Is this a big loss for Arsenal? If, let's go, say he goes to Manchester United or Chelsea. Are we missing out on a top striker here? 
Um, I've, I've not seen a great deal of him, but this year his Champions League form would suggest, yes, we are. Um, and it's how quickly things change, isn't it? I mean, for, for me, I would like to see whichever striker it is we're going to go for. I mean, since we've been, we've been starting this channel kind of the beginning yeah. of the season, it, it seems as though and Nasiri, I hope I've pronounced that right, Sevilla. He kind of seemed to be the first name we were all talking about and he was going to be the one. Then it was Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Then it was Dusan Vlahovic. Then it's become Darwin Nunes. I would like to see when that window opens in, in the summer, there's not much talk around it and all of a sudden, bang, we go, we go do the deal, we get it done and we bring in the player we need. I mean, Harvey in the chat reckons he's going to go to, to, to Manchester United. That would be a right kick in the teeth if he yeah. went to Manchester United because if we don't qualify for the Champions League and they don't qualify for the Champions League, there's, there's really little to choose between, for me, the clubs. I think we seem to have our house more in order these days and a building towards something I think would be the more attractive proposition if we do get in the Champions League and finish uh second in the race to sign him to, to Manchester United, then that again would be a real real kick in the teeth. Um, but I, I suppose when you look at the likes of Chelsea and PSG in the argument, if if he were to go to either of those, whilst it'd be hard to accept kind of going to, to Chelsea, um, they are a side who obviously have been performing at a, a higher level than us for some years now. Yeah, absolutely. And Manchester City could be signing Haaland. Let's say United gets Darwin Nunes. Of course, Chelsea already have their firepower. Liverpool have their firepower. Tottenham have Kane. It's imperative, isn't it, that we sign a top-class striker if that is the case. You can't just sign a striker we're looking to build. We need to sign a striker who can almost compete with the other team's strikers in the league. Well, it'd be interesting to kind of see is this going to be the rebirth of the, the number nine in the Premier League? You know what I mean? Because for the last few years, We've seen so much of it of the wide forwards. And that was during a time where we put all of our eggs in the, the number nine basket, first going for Lacazette probably three summers late. And then Aubameyang followed the following January. And whilst Aubameyang got goals for us, um, the, the rest of the league, as I say, had kind of moved away to, to wide forwards really being the ones who were, were getting the goals and carrying their sides. You think of what Mahrez has done for City. Obviously, Liverpool, it goes without saying. Raheem Sterling's also chipped in with many a goal for, for Man City as well. So, you, you now look around the Premier League. As you say, if Nunes were to go to, to Manchester United or Chelsea, that would box them off. Liverpool, Diogo Jota's come through as a great number nine for them. Holland going to, to Manchester City. Um, it, it feels as though, yeah, we, we need to kind of get in there. And, and I, I, like, I like the idea with... Nunes of what we've what we've looked at. I mean, him and Vlahovic, it seems as though have been the kind of two most concrete links that we've had to a striker. And they've both been under 24, started showing signs of being really prolific and looked as though they're complete forward players. They can press, they can hold the ball in, they're, they're penalty box players as well. So it looks to me like we're, we're kind of looking in the right... We're in the right shop. We just need to go down the right aisle and, and pick the right player for us, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. We shall see. If you had to choose your ideal striker guy, who would it? Who would it be? Who would you want to sign? Uh, for me, it's Isak. He's the boy. Mm -hmm. um, I've, I've said it since the summer of seeing him. I know he's not had a great season, but look at Darwin Nunes last year. Didn't have a great season. The numbers weren't high, and then this year hits it off and and does what he needs to do. I think Martin Odegaard and how we've seen him grow into the team. If you can bring in a player who had a fantastic season alongside him, and the two of them already have an understanding and a link. I would like to think that that could kind of be the person who could could come in and hit the ground running. Of the names, as I say, to me, he kind of fits the bill of what the rest of the team 
the model in which it's being built with. I mean, there's a lot of talk, isn't there? Barcelona are going after Lewandowski. I know on the show we've spoken about him previously as well. But for me, the, the, the age differential there with the rest of the squad, to me, doesn't quite make sense. And it feels as though there is a real unit that is being built off the pitch as well as on it. And I feel as though the profile and the, the age of the strike is probably going to be as important as as the quality. And, and that's not me trying to discredit Robert Lewandowski in any way because he's he's a fantastic player. But we've seen with older players when they've come into the dressing room in the past, the, the reputations are one thing, but it's it's about the here and now. And I mean, we, we, we've seen it so many times, haven't we? Czech, Luis, Willian, it, it's, it's not really worked. And for me, yeah, Isak would be... Isak, Isak would be the one. What about yourself? I'd say, I've always said this, uh, Victor Osimhen from uh, Napoli. I think it's unfortunately, I don't know if it will happen. I don't know if Arsenal are willing to pay the, the major price tag for him. But I just think Victor Osimhen is the perfect striker. Of course, he's still young. He's still under the age of 24. And he's prolific in front of goal. He's got everything in his locker. He can do everything he can run with the ball at his feet he's fast he's strong he's tall he's athletic definitely something different to Lacazette I could say that I'd be interested in Lautaro I mean yeah I'd be really interested in him but I just think the price is probably going to be way too high Jay's got in touch with us as well good to to see him as well but yeah for me there are options out there I mean Cody Gakpo's been spoken about hasn't he would be interesting to see if he could convert that form from Eredivisie um uh, um, Armando Broja, I mean, turn of the year, he was mm. he was five for Southampton, but again, would he quite have the consistency to to hit the ground running? So, I suppose we'll have to. Yeah, we'll I'll take be... I'll take Broja. It's just Chelsea for me. It's Chelsea. I don't think yeah. Chelsea would be willing to sell. I think he'll be. He's shown this season he'll be an ideal number nine. He's literally the ideal number nine. He's not just a big number nine either, where he can't run with the ball at his feet. I mean, he's got. He's a bit like Osim where He's got a, a lot in his locker. So I'll take Broja, but for me, it's Chelsea. I don't think they would. They would sell him, so it's a bit of an awkward one there. But guys, that's enough of the striker. Enough of the striker search. Let's go into the midfield search. And before we do that, make sure to leave your comment, your questions, sorry, in the comment section because we all get to, to them towards the end of the show. So make sure to do that, uh, guys. Just moving on to the midfielders now. That is another position we need to address. And as we did mention at the start of the show, and one of the midfielders we could sign is Ruben Neves. And Sky Sports have said that Arsenal are interested, but Wolves want between fifty to sixty million. Now, before it was being quoted around 35 million, are you willing to pay 50 million for, for Ruben Neves? Uh, personally, no. But when when we were when, when you kind of sent through the, the, the talking points of what we were going to get into today, immediately I was like, oh, 50 million for Neves. Are we still talking kind of about this player? But equally, I then rewind myself to, to last summer and I was looking mm. at the signing Erdegaard, I was looking at the signing Aaron Ramsdale. Ben White, I was happy to see a sign, but again, 50 million thought was a bit steep. But all of them have have worked out. And whilst I think the the case in point is Aaron Ramsdale, you look at one style of player that you think you're getting and then you see him arrive at the club and you see what Arteta does with him. I mean, to me, it seems as though Partey has been kind of the guy who's nailed down that number six role. And for me, that's where Ruben Neves would play. But actually, is Arteta looking at it and thinking, no, I think Neves can get around the pitch a bit more than what he can. I mean, if you compare Ruben Neves to Declan Rice for a moment, <clears throat> two of them primarily have been, prior to this season, defensive midfield players who have sat deep and protected a back four. This year, you've seen David Moyes at West Ham release the shackles on Declan Rice. He's got round the pitch and he's become a complete midfield player. Now, does Mikel Arteta look at Ruben Neves and think there's a similar player in there? 
I mean, the price you're saying there, fifty million pounds for Nevers, the price tag they're talking about for Declan Rice is a hundred million pounds. Is Rice twice the player that Ruben Nevers is? Probably not. Now that's me trying to rationalise and think about it. Is it one that we could go for? I'm still not particularly in the camp for it because I don't quite see where he fits into to this Arsenal midfield. For me, we we need a left sided number eight who probably wouldn't be quite as offensive as Martin Odegaard and maybe a bit more defensively aware, but equally someone who can create and someone who can offer a threat. But I suppose when I say that, I'm talking about a player who potentially could be Ruben Neves, given his long ball distance, striking and passing. Um, could it, Could he be the man? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think he's got the mobility, but we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, you mentioned Hussein Alda there. That sounds perfect. Uh, had a throw in there against West Ham. He was excellent in the Europa League last Thursday and we'll show it again this Thursday. I think he's perfect for that number eight position. But another Premier League player we have been linked to is Yuri Tillemans and apparently 25 million. Now, that's half the price of Ruben Evers. Would you rather go down that route, Claire? Yeah, 100%. I would be big on Yuri Tillemans. I know when, when Spurs went to Leicester and won... Um, Tielemans, there was a lot of questions put around his defensive role within that game. And it was during a time where Leicester really weren't doing so great. But I mean, he's a player who you look at the amount of football he's played for the age he's at, the leadership he's shown. I mean, the way in which he grabbed the cup final last year by the scruff of the neck. To me, he, he kind of strikes me as a bit of a bit of an Aaron Ramsey type player. And I mean, he's he's one of my favourite Arsenal players of the modern era. I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't personally be against us as going and knocking on the door and seeing what what could be done to bring Aaron Ramsey back. But I, I think that ship has sailed. But Yuri Tielemans, given what he can still push on and do in his career um, at the age he is and the fact that he is so thirsty to, to play Champions League football and really push on and do that, you could see him coming in and, and, and being part of that midfield, him and Martin Odegaard, for probably the best part of a decade. Yeah, of course. You mentioned Aaron Ramsey there as well. Yeah, in this new formation with the three midfielders, Ramsey I think it would eight, suit him. It, I think would it would have suit to. Him. Yeah, I agree. I think now it was a bit too late. But in January, if we take, could take him for a few months, I would have done that now. I was watching it. the old firm game the other week when he scored after three yeah. minutes and just thought, he looks he looks the man on that left-hand side of the midfield that we could do with. But Yeah, it's a shame. It's a shame, of course. We can't. It's all ifs and buts. And, and uh, hindsight is a wonderful thing looking at the January chance you're, window. You're a sucker for Jose Mauer. I am for Aaron Ramsey. <laughs> Tom's not here. We can indulge in it all we want. We can even throw in Renato Sanchez if needs to. Oh, don't, 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 don't. <laughs> I'll do this, Renato. I think it would be perfect. But the injury issues just put me off a little bit, especially with the hamstring. I'm like, oh, okay, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> Or we shall see. But before we end the show, we are going to touch on this question here, quick guy by Pini. And he says, when a, when a young player makes a mistake, we say, ah, oh, it's just a young player who learns. So why don't we say the same when that when the manager makes makes a mistake, like Arteta, for example? Completely agree. Uh, and that is that is the huge thing for me with Mikel Arteta is and for me, I think regardless this season, I've seen enough progress to trust him to to be given a new contract. Um I've seen a few people on social media kind of saying at what position do we look at it going, actually, no, we don't give him the new contract. Fourth, it's a cert. Fifth, you probably say yes. Sixth and below, are you actually questioning it? For me, it's a long season, but we've seen the progress and we've seen what he's trying to do. It's taken at least three windows from now to start building a squad in his own image. And I think this summer, should there be more investment come in, um, it, it's time to say, yeah, he's got he's got a squad in his image now and he will be going into his third full season. At which point, I think, yeah... I think a lot of the judgments have probably been made. I mean, I after Villarreal last year was very much ah no, yeah. he needs to he needs to go. But actually, I think he has learnt from a lot of his mistakes. I still think there are a, a number of errors 
in there. Um, I, I do think at times he's too headstrong, but I think that is with any young manager, they go charging in sometimes without maybe um, realising quite where quite where they're going with things. Um, and it, his handling of players and situations isn't always the best at times. But no, he, he is a young manager. He is learning on the job. And that was the depths to which we fell first under Arsene Wenger and then Unai Emery, that the club from where it was, it was a fear I always had with when Arsene Wenger would go was he took the club from being effectively on its knees in mid-table to the heights of scaling winning league titles and obviously going through a season unbeaten. And at that point when he left, he pretty much had taken the club back to where he'd inherited it from, albeit the infrastructure behind the scenes was absolutely first class and that has helped us build. And now we are back to, to getting towards that level. Um, and I think, yeah, with Arteta, I do think he's, he's a young manager. He's going to learn on the job. There are errors maybe, say, for example, with Matteo Ganduzzi, is that going to be an error we're going to look back in, in years to come and say, actually, could that have been handled with a bit more subtlety? But it is what it is. Yeah, I agree with you. I completely agree with you. The only thing is because with managers' mistakes, it's usually fatal. And it's usually obvious around a team where young players can make a cheeky mistake, get over it and get over and done with where it's just one player. But the manager, of course, overlooks the team. So his mistake will be more detrimental than a young player. But I do see where you're coming from. And of course, Arteta is going to make mistakes. And we signed him knowing that. We signed him knowing he's going to grow the team and there's going to be low points and there's going to be high points. So I think we just must stick behind him until the end of the season, at least. And let's see how he gets on there. But we are going to end the show there, guys. Thank you very much for enjoy, for, for joining in and, and jumping on the show, leaving your comments, etc. Guys, as well, thank you for jumping on, as always. Brilliant. Thanks for having me, Bailey. And thanks to everyone who, who's joined us and got involved in the chat. Of course, guys. Make sure you leave a like, subscribe, and most importantly, make sure you keep following us down the Arsenal way. Hey!